Hello, hello. Welcome back to another week with us on Foreign Takes. Uh, who's here with me, boys? KG's in the building celebrating the double win that United had and the frustration that Liverpool fans faced with the Arsenal result. <laughs> Who else is here? Big Lev here. Um, happy that I'm not a United fan. Destined for a lifetime of pain. Thinking <laughs> it's so great from his seventh spot. Oh my god. All right. You know, we're, we're going to get into it, boys. Um, interesting week of Premier League, Bundesliga. I feel like we're now fully back, right? No more winter break, no more everything. Everything's got full speed. It's actually quite nice to have games coming every day. All right. Let's kick Pretty off good. with... Yeah. yeah, let's kick off with the Premier League. Let's see what the results are. I think we should probably start off with what was probably the most surprising result and kind of disappointing for a lot of us was uh, Newcastle 4, Luton 4. Uh, I say disappointing because Luton were up by two goals at some stage and Newcastle dead in the water. But were you guys expecting this result? Did this come out of the blue in many ways? No, I don't think. I I didn't know if Luton scored four goals in their entire season. Much less in one game. Eight in two games. uh, Revival, but is it going to be enough? They deserve to win this, right? In all honesty, this game, it's like they, they let Newcastle come back into the into the game by conceding well, then, the third one. If they did, they don't deserve to win it, right? <laughs> no, no, but their performance versus Brighton in midweek. 4-0. 4-0 or even 5, maybe. I think there were one goal was disallowed. I don't know if they kept it out, but come on. They dismantled the Zerbi. What Bigelow was saying about the Zerbi, just start echo a little bit more out here. How can you get so demolished by Luton? Out of all the teams in the league, like it's an embarrassing result nobody talks about. And then they go to Newcastle and draw with them 4-4, an amazing game. And four points uh, out of probably on paper would be zero before the start of the kick of the ball. So good job to Luton. I think they have now like a little bit of a buffer in one point over Everton. Very close to getting Crystal Pass and Nottingham Forest in there. Um, and their next know. game is at home to Sheffield United. So the way they're playing, you'd expect them to pick up another three points. So that would be yeah. quite quite a substantial number of points over nine games for them coming into yeah. the winter break. Yeah, I think Crystal Palace is going to be also dropping there just because Troy Horton's probably already forgot. Can, can uh, we talk about Crystal Palace for a bit? Because they, they lost uh, at home, oh, sorry, away to Brighton 4 1. I, I know Big Lev was saying this in the beginning of the year about like, oh, Roy, Roy, Roy. But it does really feel like it's the beginning of the end for Roy Hodgson at Crystal Palace. Done for sure at the end of yeah. the year. Right. What do you mean beginning of the end? No, I mean like you, you wanted a happy end. ending, right? Like you wanted a happy ending, but instead it feels like they're turning on him. It feels like after all these years, something bitter is like... He beginning. had a happy ending. They made him come back. He had a happy yeah. ending. He left him in a solid position, 14th in the league or 15th in the league when he retired, which is good for Crystal Palace. They brought in the second best midfielder of his Premier League era, Patrick Vieira, and he didn't do anything. Second best. Well, if he wants a happy King's ending, he should go to Thailand. Lots of happy endings there. <laughs> <laughs> I might be too old for that, my friend. Yeah, I think he just wants it. I don't know if Robert Kraft can get it. Why not Roy Hodgson? <laughs> <laughs> he just wants, I think, a cup of tea in front of a fireplace, my friend. I think he's, I think he's older than that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Let's jump to, I think, what was the headline of the of the weekend, which was obviously the battle of number one versus number three. Uh, Arsenal at home to Liverpool. Final score was 3-1. Big Lev, 
you can agree, even as a Liverpool fan, that it was a deserved result, right? Like, Arsenal definitely deserved to pick up the three points. Like, the, the scoreline reflects accurate. Yep. Yeah, definitely. You cannot... Liverpool are terrible. At the end of the day, the goal they got was from out, out of nowhere with zero shots on target in a half. Uh, they only played 10 minutes. They only played 10 minutes at the start of the second half and then they collapsed. Even though the Arsenal's, you know, uh, the lead goal they got was out of nowhere as well. But um, it was frustrating to watch because they've been so consistently good. And the game they had against Chelsea, they were so in it. And that they had such a high energy and then here it was non-existent. And oh man, I could not I could not tell you how angry I was at Trent Alexander Arnold. He the first time when Martinelli broke away and he didn't even bother to run back, that was when I just knew this was gonna be one of those frustrating games. And he was just non-existent. All Arsenal had to do is ball over the top to Martinelli. And just Konate couldn't keep up with him. And I saw some ratings after the game where they say, oh, Konate, 5 out of 10, terrible game. It wasn't Konate's fault, man. You know he's not as fast to keep up with really really fast Martinelli when Trent Alexander-Arnold is camping out in Arsenal's half. And also the fact that, I mean, lack of a proper DM in this type of game, it just creates holes because the first goal that Arsenal scored, it was, yeah, Trent Alexander also contributed by not being there and forcing Kanate out, uh, out to the white side of the field. But also Van Dijk had to drop so deep to cover that proper sixth position that it created a hole. So Kanate was behind him. And that was a perfect like pocket in which uh, Hi- Kai Havertz ran into, which he, thank God it was Kai Havertz because he didn't score from the first half. <laughs> Nobody talks about it. Everyone goes, oh, Kai Havertz had a great day- game. He, he didn't have a great game. He, no, but he had, he, was... he had a good game, right? Like he did what he was supposed to do, which was pull Van Dyke and uh, Konate out of the spaces. That's all he had to do was just drop, force them out of the space, and then make space for Saka and Martinelli to run into. Yeah, I think it's yeah. not only about number six. I think McAllister didn't have really bad bad game he was pretty decent i think who had the really bad game is Graberbeck, who didn't yeah. do anything and McAllister had to compensate creatively for him as well which Gakpo also had a poor game so between those two and jones not really being on top of his like he had jones didn't have a terrible game but he didn't have his usual energy so between those three i think McAllister had to compensate too much and this was the game where we really missed salah obviously and Zobosly a little bit as well, because Zobosly could have driven a little more and offered some energy in that midfield. We got overrun in midfield. Yeah, I, I think, KG, you and I were texting. That's exactly we we saw it in the first ten minutes, right? It was just complete the 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 box midfield with either so Havertz in the middle as as filling the box was completely destroying Liverpool. Like they just were yeah. completely non-existent in the midfield. Yeah, yeah, completely gone. There is no nothing in the midfield, and they. With that, like if Arsenal had a proper number nine, that game would have been buried. Like there wouldn't be even chance to be one one at the half, just because it was Kai Havertz, like non non existent in terms of scoring on the first touch. It was down to Saka or Martinelli to score. Overall, I think the two goals I found comedically funny that in this game the two goals were just like the most like debauchery mistakes made by both um, Allison and uh, Raya. 
what was that? What was that even about? I mean, not Raya, but more of a Ga- Gabriel. Uh, yeah, it's it, it just it, 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 did, it did feel fair, right? That it was one mistake each because it would have been terrible for it to be won by a mistake like that. So it felt like it was resetting each other's mistakes. But yeah. you, you're not going to see Van Dyke and Allison make that mistake again, right? It's just one of those things you just scratch it up. It's a bad game. It's a it's disaster. Like they're yeah. never you you they could do this hundred more games and they're not going to make the same mistake again. It's just one of those uh, things. Allison does that like two three times a season usually, but then he makes up for it in other times. Yeah. One day, yeah, it's it's uh, not often that he has like catastrophic mistakes. Yeah, so here's true. a question for you: that the game is over. The question for you that I have both. I mean, for Big Eleven YT with that celebrations were they over the top? Yes. I, there was a lot of conversations. I mean, I'll I'll give it to you both to have that opinion, and then I'll, I'll give mine. I'll chime in later. Please, Big Left, tell me. It's it's all it's over the top because you paint a target on yourself. It's because we're already talking about it. It means it's over the top, okay? Because you're you know you're giving other teams something to you know talk about in a locker room, something to put on a bulletin board and say. Hey, we're gonna go after them because of this. Look at what happened to Tottenham. See, like if you go ahead now and win the league, no one's gonna remember this. But if you have a week or two where you kind of choke it away, this is gonna be. It's not gonna be because of this, but a lot of people will point to this. Interesting. Here's my counter, and I, there's two bits to it. One is Klopp does this all the time: the ridiculous celebrations to the fans, the pumping. So I'm like. They give him shit too, to be very clear. A lot of them, it's nowhere near as bad as the Arteta Arsenal. I mean, the having to listen to Carragher and Neville is just that they're so sour. Like, it's so clearly they're sour. So that's why. The second thing is like, we have to celebrate it, right? It's like, what are we going to do? Not celebrate us winning? It's like, what's the point of football? Or do we just restrict our celebrations till the end of the season and then make a decision to celebrate? So this is one of those things I'm like, fuck it, let's let's celebrate. Let us have it. Hey, when Spurs win, when Liverpool go for it, it's like it's between us and the like it's between the players, the fans, the team, the overall arsenal. I don't understand what really I think there is definitely an agenda out there uh by the media, by the English media specifically, against a lot of the international managers. Really, it's like Klopp. Ten Hag, you see the kind of hate that they get from the Sky media. I think that has a big part to do. It's like they've picked this thing to pick on. I swear that's. I know that's a very conspiracy thing, but yeah. Going back to your question, KG, what what do you think? Was it over the top? KG? What I think, I think obviously it can be contributed as to being over the top. I think Arteta's over the top and is very emotional and he should get. They should if if they give yellow cards for Ten Hag. Because he screamed at the referee once, they should be equal to it when Klopp does it and where Arteta does it. Or when another manager gets punished for it, it shouldn't be given like special treatment because it's Arteta or Klopp. That being said, they can celebrate whatever they want and they can then be judged for it later down the line if they need to have that conversation. It's just funny to me that it comes from Carragher and Liverpool fans who are the most pretentious people when it comes to celebrating. Especially Klopp when he draws a game, he brings out the people and does it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring, bring this eight, that happened eight years ago, man. Let it go. No, 
eight years ago. Unreal. He, even this season, he's done it so many times. I'm like, he's, I enjoy it. I enjoy watching it. There's a difference between you taking your team and going to the fans and clapping and Odegaard taking out his fucking camera and just taking pictures like he just why? won the Champions League. Why is it? Why is it? Klopp no, does the same the celebration. Foot, well, hold on, hold on. The photographer Stop. is a homegrown. He's like an Arsenal fan. Like Stuart uh, McFarland, I think his name is like, he. he's he's known as like a Arsenal super, super like fan. Also, he's shy. If you watch any of the documentaries, so it was one of those things. I'm like, yo, he's trying to take a picture of him. The fans are celebrating behind it. It's a good memento. I don't know why it's a negative Again, thing. My opinion: you can celebrate all you want. Thing. You can celebrate all you want. It's just it's funny to me that it comes from Liverpool fans who are over the top celebrating when everything, anything, everything and everything happens, and they go to say, "This is Liverpool. This is this. This is that." Uh, but when Arsenal does it, it's for some against them. That's the reason. It's sour because they lost and you were at the pity party. It's never beautiful when you lose and people over celebrate over the top. You feel like you're sm- a smaller, a smaller being in a celebration of life. That's happening no, over there. No, not at all. The fact that they celebrate over the top, if anything, is uh, homage to how great Liverpool are. That beating them is such a cause for celebration. Oh, wait, I'll give you I that. Saying, I'll give you that. Of course, of course, they can celebrate all they want. What I'm saying is, just the fact that we're having this discussion leads me to say that, hey, why? Just put this target on yourselves. This discussion started thanks to people. Jamie Carragher. That's why. That's what the conversation started with Jamie Carragher. No, going to the celebrate over the top. Multiple it was in a post-match felt. analysis. That's what he said. And Bro, that's like, the I didn't hear that went Jamie Carragher's thing, but I did feel like, hey, these guys are really happy about this. I'm sure a lot of people felt that hey, these guys are... It had the exact same feeling as when Spurs went all wild after you know beating us nine men. I mean, and to be clear, to be clear, for for, for Arsenal, I, I will say you guys have had our number for years, so it was satisfying because I am truly sick of watching Klopp's teams destroy us. So it was a nice yeah. change of events. Um, wait, just uh, to move on though. In other, I see the United Liverpool rivalry was coming up, but United yeah. had another solid win at home to West Ham. It was just the thing that made it memorable was that it was not memorable. It just felt like a routine win. Is that a yeah. fair thing to say, KJ? That is a, a very fair thing to say. Uh, United were looking better even against the Wolverhampton game. I know they got shaky there, and they—I mean—they won because of a brilliance of a, of a one young man who's going to be the next big thing. My <laughs> no, man, I I rewatched that goal so many times. How did he not not make that guy and smoothly smoothly moved on to the right? It's just an amazing goal. This yeah. of dreams, right? Imagine an eighteen-year-old. That's what you're dreaming of as a teenager: is to play for your team, to shoot, to dribble. I mean, it's truly—it's like written in the stars what he did. He he looks like. Like the next big thing he looks like he looks like what pogba should have been if he wasn't pogba like that's what he looks like instead of if pogba wasn't a snake who was going all, all for the money that's what, what he looks like but yeah the second game was they were more composed and the key players played for a longer time in the other game they had to take off casemiro they had to take off lisandro martinez they had to give they had to take give more time to them to adjust and that's where the shift happened obviously i'm gonna call out the dodgy penalty that i don't know how that penalty stood that should not have been a penalty it should have been overturned in the var i don't know how var came to the conclusion that oh that's a penalty after reviewing it he didn't throw himself to the ground it was a foul again great job referees i hope i don't know and i don't know what to say to you um but yeah in the second game Lissando martinez played along a bigger role as did Casemiro, as did Hoyund, as did Garnacho, as did Rashford. And West Ham just 
were there, but United punished them and they rightfully scored. West Ham, though, you have to you have to say as like as good as United played, West Ham did not give you a challenge. I think that has to be said, right? It's like that that's not the West Ham. The good West Ham. That's the bad West, West Ham. Also, sure didn't that. have they didn't have they didn't have Paqueta. They didn't have Kudus. I mean, they had Kudus, I think. Or yeah, but he, he looked exhausted. Honestly. He looked exhausted he from the Afcon. They didn't have like a, a bunch of players. And, and again, it's it's understandable. It, in any other day, like if there was another this dodgy penalty like against Wolves, West Ham would have been back in it. And United didn't let that happen. So it was a great job from Ten Hag and United to position themselves that way. It's just sad that Lissandro Martinez is out for eight weeks. Um, but on the positive side is that Hoyun scores, he continues to score. And as a noted fact, the major problem for United this season was that they didn't score enough goals. I think they scored 23 goals in the Premier League. And they've scored, what now? Seven? Ten. Ten in their last three. So four yeah. against Newport, four against Wolverhampton, three here. That's 11 and then two against Tottenham. So that's like the season amount of goals in four games. Um, so they're good signs. If, yeah, if they continue doing the same thing, and hopefully Lissandro is not going to be missed as much, United can do mount a challenge to a top four, probably. Honestly, fantastic week. Um, speaking of top four, let's just quickly touch on Man City won away uh, at home to Brentford. Kevin De Bruyne turned it on, then he got bored and he turned it off. That's a pretty good summary of today, right? Yeah, Phil Foden hat trick. You might as well can say that it wasn't only De Bruyne, but yeah. I it's mean, just too boring, right? Like, I'm like, there's 115 charges. I know we have to say this was like 115 charges hanging over them. It just, I don't see any charges hanging over them. They're just buying their own players from Girona. In, in, the, in the time when the yeah. windows closed, they just can, go. Can we all agree? It is beyond unreasonable that they just signed... I mean, Savio's having a, the season of his life, obviously, with Girona, top of the league, La Liga, so on. This, it smells like... Smells fishy, right? Can we all agree this is fishy? It, is it fish. smells fishy everywhere. You wouldn't be able to do that, I don't know, in the regular, you know, corrupt corporate America. Okay? It's, it's, it's the same owners just taking one player from one club, putting it in another... Yeah, um, and they're paying each other. No, the the biggest concern, like, or any, if you're going to say that, okay, you can own two clubs, at least I would say the guidelines for doing a transfer between two clubs needs to be needs to be a fair uh, fair transaction and fair purpose. I'm 100% sure that some clubs were interested in it and the window closed and they do it immediately after the window so they don't have to even be like, oh, even if they say they have, um, what's it called, a release clause in his contract. I'm pretty sure another team could have matched that release clause and then it would be up to the player. But... When you're doing it off off season, they triggered his release clause. He's gonna go to City, even if it's not a release clause. How can you negotiate without anyone present there when the two parties are related? Outside of a, a lot of time where you can do transfers, it is so fishy. It is as fishy as it gets. They waited for the window to close. Literally six days after it closed, they're going like, "We're buying that player now." It's, it's just it's, ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, it just it makes you lose interest when you're like, "This is just unfair for everybody else." Um. On uh, quickly to touch on one one more game was uh, Chelsea two Wolves four, and the reason I bring this up is because Wolves are played pretty good against United. I know they lost, but they lost a, a magic goal. But as they made Chelsea look like a mid table team, and I know they're both mid table, but it, it was just embarrassing for Chelsea at home getting booed by their fans. And then you look at Wolves on the other hand, they had energy, they had. Like the wingers, amazing. Matthias Cunha, amazing. It just felt like two teams going in two different directions, except one team is just spent a billion and the other team is under FFP restrictions, right? Uh, it I feels like a, two different directions. I have a question for you, YT. 
Do you want to go play one on one with Mudrik for 10k? Or no? Or not? That must be fake, right? That that could not have been real. I don't know. I've seen it. I think I think it's real. I've seen it reposted a couple of times. If it's fake, it's hilarious. If it's not fake, my God, what problems do Chelsea have? For the, for, the, for the listeners who haven't seen this, please go on Reddit or whatever. But essentially, it's a guy who texted Mudrik on Instagram. And Mudrik's response is, play me one-on-one, bro, for 10K. <laughs> that, that's all he said. And then he replied, oh, how about you keep your 10K but play better? I think it was like, do you play football? Uh, the thing is, honestly speaking, like Pochettino doesn't look like he's inst- like uh, put a structure around the Chelsea team. They just don't. They still look like they don't know each other. That that's the thing that's like really worrying. If you are like a Chelsea fan, is he has had so many months. They play one game a week, and yet they doesn't seem to be an actual structure around what they're trying to do. They're in the final of the EFL Cup. Ah, uh, spare me with that. They're gonna get destroyed by Liverpool. Is gonna walk to that game to sleep. Like honestly speaking, it's a freebie for Liverpool. But but they can't even. I read somewhere that they can't even fire Pochettino because if they fire him, they have to pay him ten million. That's gonna break their FFP rules. So uh, like they're they're gonna be stuck with them probably till the summer. They're gonna keep more than ten mil. Probably yeah, more than staff and probably, everything. Yeah. yeah, honestly, probably it's shocking. ten mil for every remaining season and, on his contract. And I saw another <laughs> stat for Chelsea is that they basically. Basically, him and grandfather have the same amount of like points in the same number of games right now and they did as they did last year. So there's literally no movement forward, although they cut a bunch of people out and they did all of this. And Thiago still was done. His wife apparently like uh, tweeted, said that it's time to move on. So Chelsea is a hot mess and there's nobody's going to fix it. The best way to fix it is get rid of the owners that's the yeah, best way to that, that really is wait you no know, one... I'm, I'm surprised that uh, chelsea's perils you know i'm surprised that doing the exact same thing they did last year did not yield a different result <laughs> i don't know wait like, you'd think just repeating the same thing over and over again would <laughs> at some point change stuff right yeah nope no, uh, well i think big just on that note I feel like we both escaped a bullet with both Felipe, the Casado and Lavia. Like the fact that what Liverpool and Arsenal respectively were like trying. Seeing them now, one is injured constantly, the other one looks terrible. Like they looks like a shell of himself. Honestly, we but escaped. You did escape it because I mean, let's be honest. Like, which sane human being, sane okay footballer who doesn't care only about money? Because let's face it, once you play in the Premier League and you have Liverpool and Chelsea after you, you're gonna be making a lot of money. Okay, you're gonna be making money that would be enough for you for the rest of your life regardless of what you think. Even if you get 150K a week, it's 150K a week. A week. That's 52 weeks. That's 50 times you're going to pay that. And if you give away half of that to the government, that's 75K a week. A week. I'm repeat, like That's money that people cannot comprehend. And if a player just goes like, oh, I want to play for Chelsea because they pay me more money, he clearly doesn't want to... He's not a good professional because he's, he's not, not making yeah. a professional decision. You're making yeah. a decision based on money. Yes. Because so, every player who chose Chelsea instead of Liverpool, Arsenal specifically, because they're the ones you're talking, yeah. like... It's 100% a money thing. It's not like yeah. Liverpool or Arsenal couldn't have paid you a shocking amount of money. It's not like he chose yeah. between Real Madrid and Liverpool or United and Liverpool. You had to choose and be like, oh, I was a kid growing up watching United. It's not that decision. Or it's like I chose Liverpool over Arsenal because I grew up watching Michael Owen. It's yeah, a decision it's of, shocking. oh, Chelsea pays me a lot of money and Liverpool, ah, who cares? I'll uh, sit here I for 10 years. I don't think it's quite that sinister. Part of it was that Chelsea was talking to him since like March. And Liverpool just came in last second. So it's like 
you know, if you're have, if you're talking to two same two of the very similar companies, one is doing better, but the other still has promised and gives you a lot of money. If you already signed an offer, it's kind of a lot of mental energy to be like, oh, okay, I'll go to that other one. So uh, I do think Caicedo would have been much better at Liverpool, but obviously 110 million is insane amount of money. Yeah, that that's the so, that's the part that is ridiculous. Is the fees that they paid? I, I just hope that the fee we saved is not gonna now gonna be used for a Salah replacement because we definitely need someone there. Yeah, but, wait, uh, Lawia, Lawia, I I was I was telling you guys that he just I did not rate him, and thank God he did not come. And thank God I mean, they he was over the five million. He was more of a young, promising youngster. I'm pretty sure he would have done better under Klopp. He would still be injured. You would know in different circumstances. You wouldn't know how he would have played. You don't know what no. the physio room is at Chelsea. You don't know what at Liverpool versus Chelsea. I mean, bro, it was still has, the right he's decision. Been, he's been injured since he, since the Southampton days. He ne- he played like 50 minutes. So I don't think yeah. there's some magic physios in Liverpool that could have <laughs> compensated for that. Yeah. Bullet dodged, and I mean, Caicedo definitely chose Chelsea because of the money. Yeah, it's absolutely. not because it's, it's like he was like, oh, I want to live in London. It's not like, oh, I want to play for Chelsea. I want to live in London. So it's yeah. a different perspective to, to life. Um, to wrap up on Premier League, I wanted, instead of doing a full season review, I, I wanted to ask you guys. So, uh, two teams, uh, like, so the overperformers, like based on the beginning of the year, like and what we were predicting in the summer, the team that has overperformed and the team that has underperformed. Now that we're past the winter break and stuff, so uh, two teams. Um, I I have my takes in my opinion of like who I think has overperformed and who has definitely underperformed. Um, but I'm curious. So here's my take. Yeah, I'll see. Yeah. So I think the team that has underperformed is Chelsea, and I know that's like a easy. And the reason I say that is because. What I think they're in eleventh place now. It's just for the amount of money that they've spent. And we've said this before. I think they've gotten a, the lightest amount of criticism. So I think they are completely like no other team could spend a billion in what fourteen months, fifteen months, and escape. So I think they are the underperformers. And I'll then tell I you what, Sky Sports paid them a lot of money. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. They pay Scott Sports a lot of money, so, I, I agree. so nobody mentions them ever again. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. I think they're the underperformers, and yeah. I think the overperformers, I, this is, again, I actually do think Aston Villa are overperforming. Because yeah. I know they had a very good end to the last year, calendar year, yada, yada. I don't think a single person could predictably say, hey, Aston Villa is, they're in the race, right? Not only top four, but they're they're only a, c- a couple points behind. The, the they, they are in the challenges. So I think they are the overperformers, and then Chelsea are the underperformers. And I'm curious if you guys have a different group or if you guys agree with that. Yeah, I think the team that overperformed is Born- Bournemouth. Tom Solanke out there, man, looking like Prime Torres. <laughs> uh, they've been. I mean, we all had them after the first month and month and a half getting relegated, and look at them flying. Uh, in terms of the, yeah, I think six points above right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, like they had some very impressive wins, and they look good. In terms of underperforming, uh, Chelsea, yeah, but I did expect them to be in shambles. So I, I won't say yeah they underperformed, but not by a lot. Um, I think United underperformed. Um, I agree with Bigler. I think United definitely underperformed just by sheer amount of positions dropped. They were third, and now they're sixth. I mean, they can finish uh, higher, but realistically, probably fourth. So that's 
still like even if they finish like that's the maximum that they can go to and if they finish fourth it's still like a drop off but for now yeah i definitely underperform more i agree with big love we we had chelsea finishing eighth ninth <laughs> yeah. like, united came in with a lot more stability yeah Same coach kind of maybe not a great summer window but still yeah they had just a lot of injuries, of injuries which nobody yeah. can expect like they yeah. like this past two days the two game weeks you haven't had their best starting 11 since august so like half a year without your best possible starting 11 and uh i would say for overperforming i'll put i'll put luton in the overperforming position because both me and yt and big left were saying that luton is going to get lower that's, points than derby county yeah that's like, true and they're already like 9 17th and they're like 18th and they're better off i would also put tottenham if i'm a little bit Honest. Overperforming. Overperforming. Yeah, of, I, I mean, agree with that. And like, Harry Kane is gone. They're not going to be anywhere near top six. We'll put them probably eighth. And be like, you're going to be happy with because they finished eighth last season or seventh. So we're like, oh, you're going to be there. They're fifth. They're aiming to the top four spot. They can't potentially get there. As of right now, I would put Luton Tottenham as overperforming. And, yeah, you know, that's I a good call. Especially Spurs. After we saw their suicidal high line, I thought it would crash. But it's yeah. still going, you know, honest. And, you know, United is a good call because they're eight points off fourth place, which is actually a shocking amount of points when you really think about it. But mm-hmm. they're beginning to pick. Um, uh, let's move on quickly. Uh, Bundesliga, nothing's changed. Leverkusen is still going. And Bayern yeah. dodgily. I think that's like, we say this week after week, right? Leverkusen win because they're a better team. Bayern win because they have better individual players. Like nothing yes. changes really. Same same pattern of play, same thing over and over again. Leverkusen just wins because they're just an amazing team. Zero losses. And Bayern concede first, then scramble. Harry Kane's courses, like a working horse. Harry Kane's courses, 56th goal of the year. And they just continue to go into the sunset. But the thing is, it just feels like it's only going to take one or two shaky weeks once the Champions League especially is back and they have to play two games back to back that it's going to fall apart for Bayern, right? It just feels like it's that close. It just feels like a house on unstable foundations. I mean, yeah, Tuchel's probably going to be gone at the end of it. If they yeah. definitely don't win, he's definitely gone. And it doesn't seem like, as of right now, that they're going to win. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think moving on to Serie A, there were two very interesting games uh, over the last week. So Milan w- barely won away to Frosinone 2-3. Another I Giroud... Would... I would say it differently. They came back from two one, not not barely one. They came back. It's uh, yeah, it's but it it was wobbly, right? It's like it wasn't the Milan we were expecting where they were on fire. It's like amazing, obviously amazing goal by Drew once again. I'm gonna always praise come on, him. Come on, come on, come on, Drew. Why is Drew corner? Uh, this come man gave for Drew. <laughs> I happily let me. T- but you have to admit, KG, he just looks fantastic. I, I honestly watched the whole game, and I'm gonna say I'm a, a bit swayed away. I, I can see the brilliance of him. He is that type of a forward that, like, he's a dying breed. There's not gonna be that type of a forward, probably. Like, he's not. That's not that. There's not gonna be that type of a forward. It's just, it's not relevant anymore. They're playing a very like he can do both. He can head the ball down and keep the ball on his chest and pass it back and he can get the ball pass it back with his feet and make a make space for himself and um yeah he's just he he scored and created this the second because he uh knocked it down with his head for 
But um, that's the thing. I think people always like think he's just a big lumpy target man. I'm like, no, he brings all the rest of the players into the game with him. Like the reason Rafa Leao, if you see Rafa Leao, who of course is amazing, play with any other striker, he never performs as well because Drew has this. And Drew does the same thing with the national team, right? There's a reason yeah. he makes space for Mbappe and uh, Dembele and so on. Um, but good but win. Is Rafa, is Rafa Leao amazing? He has a I think so. He has a terrible season, man. He scored like yeah. three goals. <clears throat> I watched it and I was thinking about it too when I was watching the Milan game. He's not having a good season. He's he's having an okay season. He, he is very similar to Khvicha in that way. Yeah. yeah, he's very similar to that. They they they're good. Like you can see the you can see that there it's there's potential there, it's just they're not in form or the team is not performing well, so he doesn't get to be at that top level that he can be in. Rafael Leal does great movements and does everything, but he's not like last season. Last season he would be the solution to the problem this season it was Giroud who's like he's dragging them forward it's not Rafael yeah. yeah. the, th- the thing that reminds uh, that, me of is like that's why I brought him up because last time we mentioned Quara people were like oh he fell off he's nowhere near he has there were Tottenham goals. fans saying that he, they don't want him in Tottenham he, because oh, he's yeah, oh, no. he, he has six goals this season in Serie A okay mm. and he's basically playing alone if you watch yeah. the game against um who they were playing? Verona. Man, he gave Simeone the ball one-on-one with the keeper. He couldn't even control it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if Rafa Leao is a great player, so is Quara. They're just not having the greatest of seasons. I think yeah. so. part of it is also, uh, gives me shades of Bukayo Saka. It's like, this season, they're clearly saying they're going to be two defenders on, on all of them, right? It's like, whether Leao... It's like, mm-hmm. they have a minimum... Every time, they're never one-on-one. The moment they're one-on-one, you see one of the defensive midfielders come sprinting full speed to help. So, which means you expect the team to make up for that space elsewhere, and they haven't managed to do that. that that's the and thing. Yeah. Also, like, you usually would have the team somewhere how to solve that problem. For example, in the West Ham game, the past two games, Rashford was not as bad visibly. Like, if you look at it, it's not he's not as bad. He scored a goal, but against Wolverhampton, but against... West Ham, he was quiet. He didn't do much. Um, but the reason why he's a little bit better is because he has Shaw. And when you have Shaw... Because he sucks at one-on-one this season. But when you have Shaw doing that run back, people get confused. Makes he's not space. no longer with two. He makes, he creates his space. So that's what Milan and Napoli has been lacking. Rafael Yara Quara are alone. And from a tactical point of view, what I wanted to shout out for the Milan game, Pioli did a very smart tactical move once they were 2-1 down. And this win is very much so a Pioli win rather than uh, Milan came back amazingly. He put in Jovic and they shifted the way they attack. They went to a 4-4-2 attacking and uh, 5-3-2 defending. So he oversaturated the midfield. They took away the ball. They immediately became two wingers crossing the ball for Giroud to head the ball down and Jovic to be in there from Giroud, whatever falls down from Giroud to score. It literally worked. And as soon as it worked, he took off Giroud. He brought in Wea and they went back to being with one striker. Yeah. So this win is very much so a Pioli win. Very good to see that Pioli still has some say. It's, just, it's good to see those type of wins where a manager makes just over overcompensates and over wins wins over the other manager tactically rather than just the team being class yeah i agree with you i, I mean the other manager we obviously have been giving credit to is uh, nzagi at inter that's the last yeah. game the inter won event to zero completely deserved that of course there was a moment uh anyone who hasn't seen the hakan uh, pass is yeah. one of those magical things that 
no oh, amount of practice. It's just one of those things you either have it or you don't, right? He, his ability yeah. to hit a ball is unreal. Of course, it wasn't finished because a terrible sh- cross by Marco, uh, DeMarco, sorry. And then, of course, what's his name? Um, uh, Turam. Turam uh, missed it. Yeah. But Inter just look amazing, right? Like, they, they yeah. are fantastic, in all honesty. Inter won on class. They were just such a much miles better team defending attacking the way they're set up uh inter are just so good and that pass to Chal- from Chalanoglu it was such a like you don't like it just that's what a professional does it's like really a professional it was a, such a narrow space in between three defenders straight r- correct weight correct speed just in front of DeMarco he did a great cross in there which I think the defender just I think it was Gatti who cleared the ball and that's been turned and that's the one I remember the most out of that game and everything else was just Inter scored and then they just it was the typical Italian defensive football who's gonna win who's gonna knock down the other player first and finish one no but uh, Inter uh, is what... a clear example of how what a well run front office I guess it's more of a NFL term but well run uh Football operations does to a team. So they have what Chalhanoglu they got for free from Milan. Hitarian was run out of Arsenal. Uh, they got Zeko to uh, replace that bumbling idiot. And uh, Barella Lotaro, the last one. Lotaro yeah. was kind of at some point, he was about to leave and they just built a great team. So yeah. I'm free. It's, it's honestly free. Free. Pa- Pavard yeah. looks fantastic on the Pavard right side. Was, I was thinking that Pavard, Pavard is an amazing was player. was a shocker for me that, like, they got him on such a for such a price. I was screaming for Liverpool to get power because Bayern just like kind of let him go for a very cheap price for what's um, a really good player. Pavard is such a versatile player. Whatever, yeah. whatever they need to play against Juventus, which is you have two big strong strikers. Which also in Juventus they have a really great starter in, in the Turkish star, or I don't know which is country of origin is but his country of origin is turkey Kenan yildiz he's also a very big upcoming star he's going to be great but when you have those two bigs like in vlahovic and, and yildiz up front you need more of a solid back three pairing and a wing back and he plays with pavard and he can put dumfries on the bench and he can play darmian and pavard and it's going to be versatile and moving in all places so it's just perfect recurring Perfect yeah, recruiting. perfect. And yeah, also, he, he uses them all perfectly. Like, yeah. he rotates. Uh, it's just, honestly, so well. Well done, Inzaghi. He really deserves to win it this year. Um, let's go move into the Champions League predictions with that. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, that's true. So, I... I okay, can, can we get out the obvious ch- uh, favorite, which is Man City? I think we can all agree that Man City is likely... I don't think Man City is... No. Okay, so... You're right. So You're gonna make he, me cry, bro. Kind of make I, me cry. Okay, here is my favorite. My, my honestly, and I'm, I'm not like messing around. My actual favorite is Inter Milan. I yes, think they yes. learned from last year's final that yeah, they, they only strengthened. Of La Caca. <laughs> they were like, okay, we almost had it, but Lakaka was in the way. So why don't we get rid of him and just run it back? Honestly, that's pretty accurate. That's really what it is. Yeah, they, yeah. they also upgraded on on on. They're like, okay, he can bring a dodgy mistake. So how about we don't do it for the third time? We just do it from the second time. We'll get rid of the other possible fuckers. Uh, but who, who else is? I mean, obviously, Man City is there. But like, who else would you guys include? Real Madrid. Madrid. Real Madrid yeah. always. Real, never, yeah. Never yeah. Their, Even their league. It's it, don't exclude them. If the Inter Milan and Real Madrid do not like get into each other's path, it's gonna be a final. Like I believe sincerely that Real Madrid with Jude Bellingham, they all they're only lacking an, a striker. But Josel is doing a pretty good job. I have to give him credit. I know he's 
Listen, yeah, yeah he's not... They create for him, yes, yes, but he misses a lot of suitors too. Fair enough. But who else is there? That's it, right? It's really Madrid, Inter, and Man City are have to be the favorites, in all honesty. Yeah. Yes, they have to be. It's not one of those seasons where, like, you'll have someone and you're thinking, you know, who's going to stop them? For example, remember, like, Barcelona and Bayern in between 2012 and 2017, they were like, who's going to stop them? I just don't see them losing. Then they somehow would lose. Yeah, this that's year, true. I, I don't see anyone uh, that's going to be like, oh, I don't see them losing. I, I see all of them losing uh, because why not Arsenal or why not Bayern? Because they're strong, but you see cracks in there and I see cracks in every team. I agree. Yeah. I- uh, on to end the this pod on a funny note. Speaking of Madrid, um, we are now the rumor mill has started already of Mbappe to Madrid. I'm already sick of it, and I feel like almost every single person. This is going to be what the fourth year in a row, third year in a row. Is it going to finally happen this year? Do you guys think the summer is it finally going to happen? It looks so. It looks so. I mean, like if he could have signed with PSG, he would have last year. Yeah. Why would they leave it up to chance? Unless they offer him what a yacht that has ten million dollars on it every year, <laughs> just gonna be possible. he has enough money, money, right? Really M- money yeah. is absolutely not the problem now, right? It's like he has enough money for his great 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 grandkids at this stage, right? It's just a question of does he want to leave or not? He yeah, definitely. I, I, wants I don't to. understand. He, I think the only thing he really wants at this point is just attention, because <laughs> he could have PSG would probably have sold him last year to get something for him. And then he could have said in January, hey, I'm leaving. And in January, you can already sign. So why are we having this discussion in February? Because he just wants to. He's going to keep going till like June. And maybe I know. He'll That's sign, the worst part. Maybe he'll resign. I don't really care at this point. I don't Me want too. him to go to Real because it's just like, it's going to be another one of those Real teams that like, oh, how they're going to lose. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. This is going to be a Real Madrid team that's going to be winning at least one Champions League if they don't yeah. win it this year. I know. I, I keep saying this. I'm like, Mbappe, if you really want to cement your legacy, there's only one team you need to go to, and it's Arsenal. That, that's all you need to do. Just imagine he comes to Arsenal. here with that Tottenham take. He goes to Tottenham and wins a trophy. Then he cements his no. legacy. Listen, the team it just needs a striker. It's an upgrade on Jesus. And that way, he'll be remembered forever. That Mbappe left oh, World who? Cup winner. No, he won't. No, he you won't. You don't think he'll be remembered he, forever if he comes to Arsenal and wins the Champions League? He's never going to be bigger than Henri. So why, like, he, he, for Arsenal... If go you to, think, okay, hold on, hold on, hold bro, on. Go to Tottenham, win a Champions League. They're gonna build They're never you gonna a win statue. That. They're not even They're in never... the Champions. League. I'm, I'm saying, gen, genuine question. If you think, okay, okay, this is a foreign take. Now, okay, okay, this is for you too, KG, because I want your take. If the reason Mbappe comes to Arsenal this summer and then he wins the Champions League with Arsenal, like the upcoming year, you don't think he'll be remembered forever, forever. My Arsenal but fans. all football fans. My no. Arsenal fans. No. That the my... guy went not to Real Madrid. He came to Arsenal no. and ended up winning. You guys are crazy. My, my Arsenal no. fans. My Arsenal fans. If he goes to Real Madrid and wins another three Champions League straight in a row, he's going to be remembered by everyone because Real Madrid's tally went to 17. I disagree. I disagree. I think he'd be remembered more for coming to Arsenal winning one Champions League than going to Real Madrid and winning three. He's going to be remembered more if he wins it for PSG. We've been trying to win it for like 10 years now. No, yeah. forget that. Like That's boring. Possible. Messi, <laughs> Neymar, couldn't get it done. And now it's just him left. If he gets it done, then he's going to remember it. We're going to ask the fans, and I'll tell you they're going to agree with me. 
What do you think yeah. about the PSG chances of the Champions League this year? Non-existent. Okay. Yeah. No, I, again, of course, he's not going to come to ours, but you're going to see. We're going to ask the fans, and they'll tell you. Uh, anyway, I think that's a good spot to wrap up. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, this is the uh, very rare um, glimpse into YT's world and his delusions. He's oh, truly yeah, showing yeah. his he, personalness. He, <laughs> On that note... He, he dropped some nonsense take, and now he's trying to like, get away. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Peace. Yeah. On he's that note, to have wrap some, up. Bye, fans. Bye, fans. Man is... <laughs> Bye, fans. <laughs>